Okay, so obviously we're moving forward in our teaching series called Climb. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know about you, but I've been really enjoying this. Um, in fact, I've never actually done a personal study through the Sermon on the Mount like this. And uh, I'll be honest, whenever I'm um, sharing with you these sermons, these teachings, whatever, these are actually things that I myself am learning. And that may make me sound like a doofus, <laughs> but it's the truth, Okay. So, um, so hopefully you're being in, as encouraged as I am and learning as much as I am. Um, as we go forward today, I want to remind you that Jesus is calling these people that are listening, everybody that was listening, um, further in their walks with the Lord, following Him, what it really means to follow the Lord. And, you know, a lot of these people, all that they had heard, all that they had had the opportunity to hear was what the Pharisees and religious leaders were teaching them, um, a lot of which was either... Um, shallow interpretations of the law or laws that were completely made, it up, made up and added to to begin with. Laws that God was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That is what they were dealing with as they were following God. And so Jesus comes on the scene and basically says, listen, people, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the uh, scribes and Pharisees, you will not even enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what he told the people. And then right after he said that, he gives five examples of the scribes and Pharisees' um, terrible interpretation and teachings of the law. And so we're going to look at um, two more of those. We've already talked about the the spirit of of the law as it relates to murder, adultery. Last week we talked about oaths and promises and all that. Tonight we're going to look at another one. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 5, and we're going to start in verse 38. 38. This is where Jesus says, you've heard it said, um, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. How many of you are familiar with this, with this scripture? And it's one of those where, man, you can get all kinds of interesting um, shoot-offs of, of theologies, f- philosophies on, on life in this one. And um, I want to encourage you this evening with what I learned. Um, so he starts off by saying, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye. Let me go ahead and read all of it. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. So he starts off with this, uh, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And what he's doing is he's literally quoting something from the Mosaic Law a specific law found in the law of Moses. And um, it's in Exodus 21. You don't have to turn there now, but you can write that in. Exodus 21, if you want to go refer back to it. It says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And believe it or not, it actually goes on to say a few more things. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It says, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Okay, and the point of this law is that... Uh, the punishment ought to fit the crime. You guys understand what we're saying? Okay, the fun- punishment ought to fit the crime. Now, there's a lot of people that read this back then and even today. They read this and they think, man, this is, this, that's harsh. In fact, that's pretty barbaric for you to say an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But you have to understand what this law is about. This law actually put a limitation, I'm going to say it this way, a limitation on retribution, Okay, it put a limit on retribution. Retribution is just a fancy pants way of saying revenge, okay, or payback. It put a limit on paybacks. Um, let's be honest. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. If somebody came up to you and poked out one of your eye, your tendency is to want to poke out both of their eyes. 
Am I right? If someone came out and knocked out one of my teeth in my flesh, I would want to knock out every tooth in their mouth. Isn't that true? And listen, the Lord knows that about me. And he knows that about you. He knows your tendencies. And he knew it about them. And that's why um, in his great wisdom, First Chronicles says, the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and thought of man. And that's why in his great wisdom, he set this limit of the severity of punishment when someone commits an offense. Okay, you tracking with me? A limitation to retribution. That's what this law is about. Now, the spirit of this law is twofold, okay? And I'm going to say it this way, and if you're writing things down, you can write this down. This law is about justice laced with mercy. And in Scripture, mercy can be translated loving, uh, love or loving kindness, okay? But get that. We'll use the word mercy. But this law, the spirit of this law, which is what he's trying to bring the people back to, not just the law, but the spirit of the law, is justice must be served, but laced with mercy, laced with loving kindness, okay? And um, what had happened is that the religious teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, well, the scribes and Pharisees in particular, what they had done is they, they took this law and they moved it out of its proper dominion, its proper uh, sphere, which was civil government. You guys see that? That, that's where this law was supposed to be in operation. And they moved it into the sphere of personal relationships. Okay, In my personal relationship with Ken, eye for an eye, man, tooth for a tooth. That's not what that was about. It wasn't for personal relationships. It was for civil government. That was their first mistake, taking it out of the realm that it belonged in, civil government, and trying to operate in the personal relationships. The second mistake that they made was that they moved this command out of uh, the right spirit, which was merciful actions, into the wrong sphere, the wrong spirit, which was harsh reaction. Okay, that's, that's what the Pharisees were teaching. They were teaching, um, what's the, Melissa says this every now and then, turnabout is fair play. You guys ever heard that? That's what they were teaching. Turnabout is fair play. In other words, whatever someone does to offend or insult you, it's okay to retaliate with the same behavior. You guys understand that phrase, turnabout is fair play? And like if someone calls you stupid. I know you are, but what am I? You know what I mean? Remember how you used to do it? Whatever. Somebody calls you stupid, well, you're dumb. Well, you're a goofball. Well, you're a maggot. You know, whatever. Okay? That's not how we're supposed to respond. You guys remember the schoolyard etiquette, don't you? I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. You guys, anyway, that's not biblical. That's, fair, that's playground etiquette. So, but listen to what Jesus said. You've heard it said an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Not, not only have you heard it said, you've heard that it was said. Not only have you heard the law, you've heard the interpretation of the law. You've heard the way that the law was interpreted into personal relationships. I'm telling you, that's wrong. Go back to the way it really originally says it. Here's what he says. Here's what I'm telling you. Do not resist an evil person. So he gives the law, and then he gives the spirit of the law. You've heard it said eye for eye. I'm telling you, do not resist an evil person. Now, what he is not saying is that you should stand by and watch while evil has its way in the world. That is not what he's saying. You guys connecting with me. It's really important. 
What he is not saying is that you should just stand by and watch evil things happen. Jesus didn't even do that. Think about the day that he came to the temple and he saw all the money changers selling their doves and their goats and all their stuff, paraphernalia for, for burnt offerings. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Gospel of John, that, that, that movie. Um, is like a, You know what I'm talking about, the Gospel of John? Anyway, the scene where Jesus drives out the money changers with that whip that he makes, you guys know what I'm talking about, is intense. And you're like, that can't be Jesus. But it was. Okay, so Jesus himself didn't just stand by and let evil things happen, okay? So please understand, that is not what he's saying. When he says, do not resist an evil person, you've got to understand two words, resist and evil. The word resist basically means to set yourself up against or to oppose. The way that we could best translate that is to become the opponent of. So what he is saying is, you've heard it say, I for, said eye for eye, but I tell you, do not become the opponent of Someone who does evil. That word evil is not the same evil as in Satan is evil. You know, it's not quite the same thing. It's, it's a different word. And what it basically means is annoyance, harassed, hardened. Okay, so you could read it this way. I say to you, do not become the opponent of, don't set yourself up against someone that annoys you, that harasses you, or out of a hardened heart treats you unfairly. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? That's what he's saying right there. And what he's saying is be careful that you don't harden your heart and react harshly when someone insults you or takes advantage of you. You've heard it said eye for an eye. I'm telling you, you be careful that you don't end up in some sort of putting, making people your enemy when they are being unfair to you or harassing you or doing those kinds of things. And then what he does is he goes on. This is different than any of the other Three that we've looked at. Okay, he gives five examples. This is one where he expands on it. He gives basically three, four if you look at the last one this way, but I see three examples of what he's talking about. And I believe he does that because of how important this is as someone that's following God. He goes on to give three examples. The first example was this in, in Matthew 5, 39. Whoever slaps you, let me back up, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek Turn the other to him also. You have to understand, and some of you may have heard this before, you have to understand that what Jesus is describing is a backhand, backhanded slap, because it's kind of implied that when you hit somebody, you hit them with your right hand. Okay, so to hit someone's right cheek, you would have to backslap someone. Does that make sense? Okay, so he's describing, what he's describing is a backhand, which in that culture... You gotta, I guess you've got to read and study the thing out to get this stuff. But in that culture, to backslap someone or to backhand someone like that is the ultimate insult. It's kind of like a, the classical Victorian age or whatever. We watch those movies where the, the guys are mad at each other and takes off his glove and pew, pew. you guys know what I'm talking about? It's the same idea. It was this. And the person, you ever notice that they let them do it? It's like, pew, pew. You know, it's like, I see somebody pulling off their gloves, I'm putting mine on. You know what I mean? But they let them do that because what it is meant to be is a personal insult. So in this culture, when someone did that, they're, in, they're given the deepest kind of insult that they can give. In fact, it is, it is um, when someone insults someone that way that it's so intensely 
in that culture, not right, that you can literally be uh, fined for it. There was a heavy fine, okay? You're going to pay me $10, you do that, or whatever. There was a fine for that kind of behavior. So that's what's going on. This, um, when, and I thought about this, and I, and I kind of mentioned that. When someone insults me, or when someone insults you, you may be the same way. The first, my first thought is, I'm going to take them out to the shed. I'm going to take them out back, and I'm going to do some damage. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think. But that is not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus is saying, listen, don't let personal insults get you so riled up that you would set yourself up against that person, that you would make that person your enemy, that you would become their opponent. In other words, do not retaliate when someone insults you or someone hits you, or someone uh, insults you or someone offends you. Let them say what they want to say. Let their insults come. In fact, go ahead and turn the, turn the other cheek. Basically say, you can insult me all you want to. Okay, you've got to understand what he's saying there. Otherwise, you're missing the thing all, the, all, all together. Show them the other cheek. But whatever you do, and you can write this down. This is kind of my first point. Whatever you do, don't let the spirit of payback cause a setback in your character. Don't let the spirit of payback, when I say spirit, I'm not talking about a ghost that goes, woo, pay them back, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that idea of an attitude, the attitude of I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to retaliate. I will have retribution for that offense, that insult that you just gave me. Do not be careful that the spirit of payback doesn't cause a setback in your character. Exodus 14 says it best. Exodus 14, verse 14, if you want to write it down. It says, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Someone insults you? You don't have to to show how big and bad you are. Verbally or physically, right? Please don't confuse this, however, with the idea that someone can sneak into your house and steal your, kill, uh, your, your children and you got to let them, oh, I love being with you all these years, son. No, listen, we know what we do. Somebody sneaks in and tries to get my kids. I pick my weapon of choice, okay, a bat, a club, golf club, frying pan, whatever. I whack them over the head. They fall to the ground. I call the popo, okay? I call the police. While the police are coming, I tell them about Jesus. <laughs> when the police get there, I graciously hand them over to the police for them to do their job that the civil government has ordained for them to do. Does that make sense? I, on a personal level, don't have to say, no, whip me, whip me. No, I'm going to you know, try to whip me. I'm probably going to get my frying pan out. You know what I mean? Don't think that this means that you should allow someone to physically attack you either or someone else that you know. Someone's being physically attacked or you're being physically attacked. Turn the other cheek doesn't mean, oh, you forgot this side. No, listen. I believe there's an obligation out of love to help someone. To help yourself if you're being whooped. If someone else, you see someone. Some of you may remember last year, right about this time actually, one of our missions team, I think it was our Ethiopia team, there was someone at the, off the opposite street of where we were doing our car wash. We looked over and there was a guy that was getting the tar beat out of him by this other man. I mean, fell down and the, the other guy was kicking him. You guys remember that? How many of you all remember that? Kicking him. And so we went over there and we helped the guy. 
And the, we went over there, and the guy was bloody. We pulled the guy off of him, and the guy was bloodied up. The guy on the ground was bloodied up. And seriously, if, if somebody hadn't stopped, and there's people standing all around, nobody helping this guy. The guy was older. The young man beating him up was, was younger. It was just not good. Bloodied up. I'm telling you, we all believe that if somebody hadn't stopped him, this old man would have had his face kicked in and died. So we stopped, and we helped the guy. It was an act of love. So please don't... don't Take this and think, well, we just got to be the passive people. Well, in the right arena, the right way you do. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking, he's not talking about a physical attack. He was talking about a deep insult. There's a difference. If someone is physically hurting you or someone else, I believe it's an act of love to help. Um, he was talking about not paying someone back for insulting you, which Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans. Real quick, Romans 12, 17, 19. Never, Melissa says this all the time to our boys. Never pay back evil with more evil. You guys with me? Never repay evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. When you don't, when you have the spirit of payback, it causes us a setback in your character. We want to be believers that are honorable and do the right thing when we pay back evil for evil. That's not what happens. You guys with me? He goes on to say in verse 19, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Some of your versions say, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You have to understand what it's talking about. And the deal is, is that we do get insulted. We take deep insults upon us all the time. And Jesus says, Don't get all cocky and arrogant and lose your head. Because when you lose your head, you lose your character. And when you lose your character, it affects that person and other people around's opinion of me. Amen? Then he goes on to say, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Some of your versions may say tunic. If they want to take your tunic, let them have your cloak. Um, A tunic basically was an inner garment. We'll We'll call it an inner garment that was made out of, it could have been cotton or linen, something soft, and it was close to the skin. Okay? Like, kind of like your underwear, your undergarment, okay? Not really your underwear. It's more like a, a shirt that you wear close to you. And then the cloak or your outer garment was a blanket-like outer garment that you would wear during the day, but then at night, it became your sleeping covers. It was like your blankie. You know what I mean? You cover up at night. Seriously, that's what they would wear as a coat during the day, but at night, that's, that was what they would sleep in. That's what would keep them at, uh, warm at night. And so under the Mosaic law, under the law of Moses, and you can look at this, Exodus 22... Um, Deuteronomy 24. Under the law of Moses, a person's cloak was not something that could be taken from them. Like if somebody wanted to sue somebody or, or take some sort of action, they might could sue them for some things, but one thing they couldn't sue them for, one thing they couldn't um, take from them was their coat. And really, if you think about it, that's an act of mercy. You take someone's coat, how are they going to stay warm at night? You can't. It's like taking a kid's blankie. You don't do that. Out of mercy, out of love, you don't do that. And so um, someone could legally, if they wanted to, try and come after your shirt, after your tunic, if they wanted to. But they couldn't come after your cloak. Jesus said if someone does want to take your inner garment, if somebody who does want to take your shirt, man, go ahead and give them your outer garment as well. Don't put up a fuss about it. You want my shirt? Here. Now, you have to understand, most Jewish people had one cloak. You've you got to get that. They had one cloak. So this was an important piece. It's, it's, this is what I sleep. This is what keeps me warm at night. That's why there's a law against it. Most people had one 
cloak. But Jesus said, if somebody wants to take your, your shirt or your socks or your sandals, give them what they don't have the right to take. Give them what you have the right to say, you can't take this. You can have my shirt, but man, you can't take this. Jesus is, I think he's making some pretty big comments here. Don't lean into the fight by leaning on your rights. You guys hear what I'm saying? Just because you have the right to make a fuss about it and make a deal, when you do that, what happens is is you kind of start a fight. In fact, you can write this down. This is my second point. The spirit of my right, and this does kind of rhyme, the spirit of my right will lead to impolite behavior. And that was a, a choice of words on purpose because to be impolite, the definition of that is ungracious, unmerciful behavior. Whenever I have the spirit of my rights, my rights, and this could go into other avenues, but whenever I'm all about my rights and I fight for my rights, what happens is we become impolite people. It's not that we don't have rights. We do have rights. But exercising our rights as a way of expressing turnabout is fair play is not what Jesus had in mind. That's not what he modeled. I have a um, neighbor. We just moved. You guys know that. And my neighbor on my left side um, makes a fuss about my dog because we have a, a dog and he, he, we like for him to roam. I mean, he's a dog and we have a land and we're surrounded by land. And so, but what, when, when he goes out, he, you know, runs around their area sometimes, which is just right there, um, and aggravates their dog. And really all he's doing is showing out. Look how tough I am, Tony. You know what I mean? He goes over there and the dogs are on, in their fence, but he's like, oh, you know, and picks a fight with these dogs. And it's, they don't even fight. There's a fence there, but he's just showing out, really, for me, is all he's doing. That neighbor gets so mad, okay? So mad, so mad, so mad. And at some point recently, a neighbor called, the, I don't know who she called, the city and found out that there's some sort of law that she can invoke, you know, that my dog's in there and they can send out the dog patrol or whoever it is and fine us if her dog is in her yard. I was like, wow. And listen, it's not just, hey, listen, I just want you to know, you know, your dog's in my yard. No, it is like, you know what I mean? And what happens is my rights, you don't have the right to be in my yard. You don't have, and it becomes, she, I mean, it's very impolite. Let me just say that. Very impolite. And it's because when, we, when we're all about our rights, we become ungracious, unmerciful people, and we can't just get along. We become contentious, and we've got to fight. The third thing he says is, um, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, most of us have heard that in that culture, the Roman, the Roman soldiers, they had the right to, um, to, if they were traveling or whatever, if they saw a Jewish person, they had the right to take that Jewish person and say, hey, for one mile, you've got to carry my bag. You've got to carry my backpack. And the, under law, they had to. The Jewish person had to do that. Okay, so um, we're marching along. There's a Jewish person. All I'm doing is I'm out picking my, you know, peas or whatever. And somebody says, hey, you, come take my backpacks. Like, think of all the things that that provokes in you. Rome Rome is oppressing us. They hate us Jews. They have laws that make me have to carry this guy's backpack for a whole mile or a thousand steps, whichever comes first. So you gets the backpack and he puts it on. You don't think that he's not counting every step. I hate Rome. I hate this Roman soldier. Whatever it is. You can imagine, right? Every step, every step pounding the hate that is in, potentially the hate that is in them into the ground. 
And then when that thousandth step is taken, that one mile has been walked, what would seem to be the natural response would be to take that off, throw it and look at them, you know, or whatever, and walk off. But Jesus says, don't have that attitude. Don't ha- In fact, write this down. The spirit of hate will most likely create a desire for war, a desire to shed blood, a desire to attack. And it doesn't even have to be physically, does it? I can attack with my words. Curse you, Roman soldier. Jesus said, don't have that attitude. In fact, I'm telling you, when they say, walk with me a mile, I'm telling you, you go too. You go two miles and show them that their desire to control and to manipulate and to harass and to oppress doesn't affect you. So by you going a second mile, you're saying, by choice, I'm going to go with you a second mile. You're not controlling or manipulating me. This is my choice. I understand that I have to go one mile. That's your right. And I could invoke my right right now and say, I don't have to go another one, but out of love, and out of a desire to model something different than we're all being modeled here on this earth, I'm going to go with you a second mile. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, you can write this down. The spirit of love will rise above every desire to fight. The spirit of love will rise above every desire to fight. There are things that occur in our lives. It could be from a boss, from an employee, could be from a husband, from a wife, from a kid, father, son, mother, daughter. It could be whatever, coach, teacher, wherever your realm is, there could be things that provoke that hate in you, that provoke that desire. I have to do this. Listen, Jesus' challenge is go two miles. Step into the realm of mercy and grace and love and watch what will happen. And it may not even do anything in that person you're showing the love towards. But that's not even really what I'm worried about more than what I'm wanting to do inside of you. Amen? You guys stand. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers over a multitude of sins. I think it would be pretty easy to know that all of us in here have been insulted or offended in many ways over the course of our lives. And maybe some insult or offensive has stood out so much, it feels like, and maybe you're even in the area where you're continually having to walk with that person or that situation that insults you and offends you. My challenge is is what Peter was saying. Love covers over a multitude of, of sins. Amen? Hate wages war. Love brings peace. So if you are in a place where you are continually being insulted, offended, harassed, what were some of the other words? Harassed. Someone out of a hardened heart treats you unfairly. Jesus says, go the second mile. Give them your cloak too. Turn the other cheek. He's not saying be a doormat. He's not saying let someone physically beat you up. If someone's physically beating you up, come and talk to me about it. Horn, take the one, yeah. 
want to encourage you to press into love because love will cover over a multitude of sins. Amen.